0: all right everybody welcome to this week's learning the tropes i'm aaron and i'm clayton and i'm the romance novel veteran and i'm the virgin and we're your hosts yeah here we are we got big news today it's a big news day oh yes i got this news or the announcement about this news on the train on the way here today so this is hot off the presses
1: yeah through deadline
0: i know your name is misspelled in Deadline. I,
1: you, it, it's no. There's no bigger honor Mm-mm. than to have your name misspelled in the trades. <laughs> Honestly, I was so excited when I saw my name was misspelled. I'm Clayton Gumber.
0: According to Deadline. According to Deadline. And and, forever and forward. Yeah,
1: because, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Gumber, no. No. No.
1: Nobody knows me like that anymore.
0: Nope. nope. You've changed your identity now. Mm-hmm. Well, the news is we are now a part of a podcast network. We are a part of the Frolic Podcast Network.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's a uh, community of everything romance and romance related.
0: It is. Yes. Um, so I'm really excited about some of our sister podcasts on the network. So there's Womance, which is a podcast that I've loved for a while now. They are I've great. loved you
1: so long. <laughs> what? That's a trope.
0: Oh yeah, I loved that you is so wrong. That is my trope with this podcast. They're great. They do a very like intellectual breaking apart of um, different romance novels, mm-hmm. and it's, they do a lot of really obscure ones too, which I really like. That's awesome. Um, there's the big gay romance podcast. There's Shelf Life. I was just a guest on Shelf Life. I think that should be coming out next week. Or cool. Just subscribe to it because I'll be on that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um. So what does that mean for you guys, for our listeners? It just means that you are going to now have access to a ton more podcasts. We will be talking about other podcasts within the network so we can bring you more content, more things to listen to. Um, We have podcasts that are interviews, podcasts that are book reviews, conversations, Mm -hmm. everything that you could want that is romance or romance related. We got you on the Frolic Podcast Network.
1: And very importantly, nothing is going to change about this podcast. I mean, we may have ads. We will have ads. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, creatively, nothing's going to change. The format's not going to change. Nothing like that. So you're going to get the same show that you know and love.
0: Yeah, but you just might learn about some other shows that you will also know and love. Yes, yeah,
1: because it's so hard. I find it hard to find podcasts that I like mm-hmm. just because it's very hard if you're just searching yourself for stuff. But if you have a network of like podcasts together, it's so much easier to find that new one that you're gonna get obsessed with.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's how I always find podcasts too. One person will talk about another one and then you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so if you want to know more, if you want to find out the whole list of shows that are on the network, you can just head right over to frolic.media backslash podcast, and it's all right there for you. Yes. There we go. All right. So we read a book this week oh my, because nothing oh my is God. changing. And Talk
1: about big news Not is, that we read a book Because we read a book every uh, But This book Can I say the name? Yes,
0: say the name
1: Texas Destiny By Lorraine Heath Amelia had never seen Such an odd collection of people crammed together in one space Women with throaty voices And low-necked bodices Had graced the compartment A few well-groomed men Had worn tailored suits as though they'd been invited to dine with a queen. Only the guns bulging beneath their jackets indicated otherwise. Some men, smelling of sweat and tobacco, had squinted at her, as though contemplating the idea of slitting her throat if she closed her eyes. So she'd rarely slept. Instead, she had spent her time reading the letters that Dallas Lee had written to her. She was certain the bold, strong handwriting was a reflection of the man who had responded to her advertisement, indicating she had a desire to travel west and become a wife. This is the first book in the...
0: Texas Trilogy.
1: Texas Trilogy. And Aaron, tell us a little bit about your relationship with this book.
0: I started reading romance by reading westerns. Um, A trope that I always loved for some reason was, like, in love with your, like brother's wife I always thought that was great like I loved a love triangle and I found this series and I've been obsessed with it forever I have read this book probably like five or six times cover to cover and then I come back and read little pieces here and there because Lorraine Heath is such a fantastic writer you can jump in at any stage um yeah so I've always loved it and I always felt like this was one that was like so close to my id that I never really wanted to do it on the podcast because I was like I feel like it's going to reveal too much about myself but We wanted to do a Western, and I was like, if we're going to do a Western, why not just do the best Western? Mm
1: -hmm. This is in my top five, definitely. Romance or? Romance. Mm -hmm. Top three, probably. Wow. I loved this book. I couldn't get enough of this book. I loved Houston. I am Houston.
0: That was my favorite thing. When I saw you last week, you were in the apartment. I was like, how are you liking Texas Destiny? And you just said, I'm Houston. Yeah,
1: I am Houston.
0: You're like, I just want to look at the sunset.
1: Yeah, I just want to be left alone. But then you don't really just want to be left alone because this book is so romantic. It's everything I want in a romance novel. But before we get into it, we got to
0: judge a cover. Judge a cover. So these three covers are in reverse order from how old they are. That
1: makes sense because the one on the very far right is just – That hat covered in flowers, Mm -hmm. which is from the book. I didn't realize that the hat would be that covered in flowers, but it's a hat covered in flowers that's from the book. Um, And then the second one, uh, going to the left, this is like the epitome of like a romance cover.
0: I love this cover. Like, I honestly want all of these types of covers I think these came out in 2004 with, mm-hmm. like, the re-release. Like, I want them framed because I'm obsessed with them. I think they're so, like, epitomized, sort of, like, bodice, ripper, like, overdone romance. The yeah, only his thing- shirt is off. Yeah, her, her dress bosom is coming is, out. Yeah,
1: her bosom is coming out.
0: Um, You can only see, I guess, the other side of the face is the side of the face that's all messed up mm-hmm. for Houston. I love that cover.
1: And then the one that I had on my Kindle was the more... It's it's funny because you see, you're seeing this evolution where you see the one in the middle, which is the more the one that you would see Fabio on the cover, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's the you know how everybody sees romance, or at least used to. I think that's changing a lot. But this has a the 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 more current one still has that yearning and the two people embracing, but it's less bodice rippy. It's less like he 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 his shirt you can't tell his shirt's like completely off. I mean it. It does look like he's shirtless, I guess, but it's not so, like, flapping in the wind and things like that.
0: And I feel like her dress is too fancy. So that was the re-release for the 25th anniversary.
1: Yeah. Now, so I wish it would have been that green dress. Yeah. That she had in that. That was not, like, it didn't have a lot of frills that I thought she probably looked spectacular in. And then, I mean, it's like any of these. We're not going to be able to see his scars. I mean, his body's scarred. Mm -hmm. His face is scarred. You're not going to have that on the cover of The Romance. But, I mean, I do still think that all these covers, save for maybe the hat one, are great.
0: Well, and the other one with the newest one is he has a beard. And we know he does not have a beard. He has a tiny mirror. And yes, he shaves he every, day.
1: every day. Well, yeah. so I think a recurring segment uh, we need to start is like what the cartoon cover would be.
0: Okay, and I'll let you run this segment.
1: Okay, because I think that this would be a raccoon stealing his hat. Because in this book, a raccoon stole his hat and he says this to the the heroine because she has a hat that she doesn't want to wear because – so I guess I'm going into explaining it. Well,
0: I do – before we get into it, I do want to say this is highly contentious. Yeah, we'll get into this. All right. Clayton and I were out for drinks with another author and we completely did like a 10-minute sidebar and she was just watching us.
1: Arguing about, about
0: the hat. I think that Houston made up the story so that she could get rid of the hat without feeling guilty. How
1: I read the text was that he had lost a hat to a raccoon in an embarrassing incident he never told anybody about. He felt close enough to her to share with her, Amelia, that a raccoon stole his hat. And if she didn't like the stupid hat that his brother gave her, then leave it. And a quote unquote raccoon would steal it. That was my interpretation of the text. Do you, should we read the text? You can if you want, or we can uh, have people debate this because I think that's. I mean, I think okay. that's better.
0: What do you? If you do you think that Houston just made up the whole story for Amelia? Because he all right. First. What is this book about? Okay, because we're it's about into a raccoon
1: it. stealing a hat. That's what I took from it.
0: It's a story about a lovely raccoon and a
1: hat. It falls in love. That's with. That's the inciting. Yeah, absolutely. The third book is about the raccoon and the hat, right? <laughs> yep. So Amelia is a uh, mail order bride. This is very. This was very common back in the old west. So she was writing letters to Dallas, who uh, is the brother of Houston. Dallas broke his leg trying to uh, uh, break a mustang. Mustang. So he can't make the journey to pick her up. So he says, Houston, go pick her up and make sure she knows that you're not Dallas. Whatever. So Amelia shows up. Houston's there. He's got his cap over his face because he is disfigured from the war. Part of it. He uh, like lost part of his face. Also, he's scarred on his body, too, and he's very self-conscious about it. So he tries to hide in shadows a lot. So she meets up with him, and they start kind of falling in love. And you see, it, it's, it was really interesting. I mean, we're getting into talking about this book a little bit more, but um, they slowly fall in love. By the time they get back to Dallas's uh, ranch, which he has, like, a lot, a lot of land. He's super successful.
0: And it's, like, a three-week-long journey.
1: Yeah, so it's three weeks long. They're getting closer. They go through a lot, a lot of stuff. And by the time they get there, Houston's like, well, I can't, you know, like, it doesn't matter that we're in love. Like, I can't do this. Dallas, like, you pledge yourself to Dallas. And she's like, I pledge myself to Dallas. So they they get together. They actually do get married. But then stuff happens so that, obviously, the two lovers actually end up together. You know, Houston and uh, Amelia. But there's so much more to it than that. I'm trying not to say Houston.
0: I know, it's very hard because we're New Yorkers. Because we're
1: New Yorkers. And Houston is a big street in... uh, You used to live
0: off of Houston. Yeah,
1: Soho is south of Houston. And Noho is north of Houston. Mm -hmm. So I used to live off... I was in Soho. Um, and I used to live on Houston, so it's very hard for me not to say Houston. I know Houston, but it's Houston, yeah, it's named Uh, after the city, yes. So, I mean, that's just broad strokes. Mm -hmm. Now, I have copious notes on this book.
0: Let's get into it, let's just do it,
1: yeah. Because I love pretty much every scene in this book. And my first note was, I'm Houston, Houston. See, I did it, I am Houston immediately. (laughs) I'm Houston. Um, and then my second note is a raccoon stole his hat with two uh, exclamation points. I
0: mean, you can keep saying it, but I reread the scene because I was like, am I wrong? No.
1: Okay. He, You, you reread the scene and what did you interpret from that? So
0: the whole scene is from Amelia's point of view. Okay. You're not in Houston's mind. Okay. So... Houston says she's going to wash up in the stream. Mm-hmm. And Houston out of nowhere says, Hey, you know, one time I had a hat and I left it and a raccoon came and stole it, you know, just so you know. And she's like, Oh good. Thanks for the story, or whatever. So she walks <laughs> she <did. laughs>
1: oh, thanks for great story, bro.
0: No, she's very sweet about it because Amelia is so the sweet. sweetest and the nicest. She goes to the river and she looks in the river and she sees her ridiculous hat with like a bobbing bird on it. It's ridiculous. That
1: Dallas made for her to wear so that Houston would recognize her. Or
0: that Dallas would recognize her because they had never seen each other. Mm -hmm. And so Houston – and so she looks in the water. She sees her hat, how ridiculous it is. And then she's like, wait, every single time I've ever talked to Houston, he's either been like telling me pertinent information or answering a question I asked him specifically. This is the first time he's volunteered a story. So then she goes back to him and says, hey, were you making that up? Like that story? And he's like, you know, it could have happened, though. Like raccoons could take it. And then so she goes back and she leaves it by the water and she goes over back to him and says, I left it. He gives her the hat. He bought Austin. Yeah. And then she says, do you think a raccoon would really take it? And he said, I don't know, eventually, probably. Yeah,
1: I mean, okay, I, I think this this is something that we have to take to the audience. What? Mm-hmm. How did you interpret it? Yes. Okay. But anyway, that was a great that I was like a that great you scene. keep
0: saying, and Houston was embarrassed, and Houston was embarrassed. We were never in Houston's mind. Okay. You assigned him in being embarrassed.
1: I feel like since I'm him, <laughs> that I could think, like, how would he react to a raccoon stealing his hat? When they meet at the train station, he's so—what really resonated with with me with him is that— because his face was scarred, he was very self conscious, and I feel like I'm very self conscious, even though my face isn't scarred. For some reason, I'm I can be very self conscious, and uh, it, it, it 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 so resonated with me that like he looks at himself and the ugliness he sees isn't necessarily just outside, but it, he also felt it inside.
0: Yeah, and you he know? felt like he got the scars; he deserved it. You find yeah. out later. What happened that he got scarred? Which is so not his fault. No, which is truly bonkers. Because yeah. his father brought him to the Civil War when he was... 15. No, he was 12 and Dallas was 15. Oh,
1: that's right. He was 12. He was
0: 15 when it, the accident happened.
1: That's right. That's not right. Not
0: It's war, but like when the, when the his injury happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved the scene where, like, the little kids come out and, like, poke him. Yes, and this is at thinks, the train station. Yeah, and he thinks that the kids are going to be making fun of his face or uh-huh. something. And they don't. They just think he's a bank robber because he's just, like, in the shadows. They're mm-hmm. like, why are you in the shadows? Are you trying to steal something? Yeah, yeah. So then they meet, and the first thing th- she thinks of him is that this is the man that's going to be my yeah. husband. Guess what? He
1: is. He is. Immediately they have such an interesting dynamic where she's uh, she's always very positive, and he— is taciturn but then he turns very slowly towards her kind of light and it's so nice to see that you know and then there's the scene when they're traveling like the tent scene was a great scene
0: yeah should we go to the tent scene because in the she falls asleep accidentally he watches her sleep mm-hmm. which is like a bit creepy but whatever we love it because we love Houston yeah and then he convinces her to buy all the dresses
1: yeah oh that's right it but, which we find out he says Dallas wanted you because she brings nothing. Mm-hmm. She brings, doesn't have anything. Yeah. She doesn't have anything. So she brings almost nothing. And her story is very tragic as well. Her mm-hmm. backstory is very tragic. That's why she wants to become a wife and start a family and stuff. Cause she's got nobody. Yeah. But he takes her to this dress place and is like, Five outfits, make them real nice. Probably even, was that five, was it five outfits? It was a lot. Yeah. And she's like, I can't take it. He's like, no, Dallas wants you to have these, wants mm-hmm. you to have these. Turns out Dallas didn't pay for those. He didn't want that. It was, it was, uh, Houston trying to do something nice for her, mm-hmm. which we don't find out until like the way end, which did you have an inkling that that was him or did you, yeah. okay.
0: Cause you're also, you hear him saying like, why doesn't she have anything? All yeah. she has is this little carpet bag.
1: Yeah she puts on this green dress that is has real no frills at all he is just like stunned by it she looks so gorgeous in it but then yeah there's they're sleeping and he's sleeping out by the fire and she's got a tent and he's just like watching he's just watching and he can see the outline through the tent and so he sees her brushing her hair a hundred times like you got to. Mm-hmm. So I got long hair. So I brush it. 100. You got you do you do the hundred brushes, right? Well,
0: if you get a Mason Pearson brush, that's what you're supposed to do. If you have like boar's hair. Because then what you're doing is you're contributing. what? To-
1: <laughs> like if I, my hair is like a boar?
0: No, the boar's hair brush. Oh, OK. And then you are getting the oils from your scalp all the way down your hair. Because if you can't shampoo your hair every day, that's a way to like keep it clean and keep it looking good. What kind of brush? They're, well, any Boar's hairbrush, but a Mason Pearson brush, those are the best ones. I've always wanted one, but they're expensive.
1: Oh, so you don't have one?
0: No, they're $150. Wow. Every Christmas, I think, maybe this will be the year, but so far, no kelgo. Mm.
1: <laughs> link in the show notes? <laughs> yeah, let's put a link in the show notes for yeah. producer Patty. <laughs> exactly. So, she brushes her hair, but then he can see her, like, undress. And he feels bad about doing it, but he can't look away. So then later... When they're outside and they see, uh, she sees a moth inside her tent while the light is on, she says, oh, I can see the moth. And then she puts two and two together and looks at him and she's like, you were, you, you've you watched me. And he's mortified. And I'm like, oh, I'm so invested in this relationship. So I'm like, oh, she's going to think he's a creep. This is it. It's over. <laughs> or they're gonna be, she's going to be mad at him for a week or something. And then she says, well, get in there. Get in there and change. And I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> so he gets in there and he starts changing and then she looks away because she can't go through with it. But I just love that scene because it did so – it showed so much of who she was and just their dynamic because, yeah, it was creepy. I understand that it was a creepy thing. But he is a guy who's like lovelorn. Talk about fresh, fresh Scent of Pining Hero.
0: And he was in love with Amelia f-
1: uh, when he saw her on the train. Immediately. Yeah. And it's just, it's so heartbreak. I mean, what did you think? Because you love a pine. You love a piner.
0: I think that's why I love this book so much.
1: Because he pines so much. And there are like reasons why he can't be with her. She is gonna marry Dallas. That's his brother. He made a vow. I'm gonna get her to Dallas, and you know, I'm not gonna, I can't get in the way of this. And also. He isn't a world beater like Dallas wants to be. He lives off uh, in a little small cabin. He likes to uh, train horses. He's not trying to build a town to bring more women. He just wants to be left alone. Uh, That's what he says. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't really want to be left alone. He wants to be left alone by everybody except for the right person, which is Amelia. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the pining I was super into.
0: Yeah, because he just keeps reminding himself like she's Dallas, and he also has such low self esteem that he keeps thinking like, well, Dallas is the best of men. Like he loves Dallas so much that he's like, I want her to have the best, and Dallas is the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. So their journey, they end up coming upon like a little cabin, and she meets another woman who uh-huh. was like a heart and hand woman, is which is what they call mail order brides, and she's like having a great time being a mail order bride.
1: Yeah, and so we run into one of your favorite tropes.
0: Only one bed. Only one bed. And this was – because they haven't kissed yet at this stage. And this is really when I thought that there was going to be some making out the mm-hmm. first time I read this book. Because they stay at this cabin that Houston knows the people and there's only one bed. And they just agree to like sleep in the same bed but, but not they touch have each other.
1: a bundle board between them. hmm Which is what? A wooden board – that just will separate the man and the woman so they are not able to do anything but hump a board. How many, gonna... <laughs> thi- how many people do you think humped a board?
0: Thinking it was another person? Well,
1: just because they were like, we can't actually touch each other. But this board is here. So let's just hump the board. It's like it would be like one step removed from dry humping.
0: Board humping.
1: Board humping. It's got to have happened, right? There's got to be a guy who was in bed with a woman back in these days and was like humping the board.
0: Why wouldn't you just get out of bed and walk around to the other side?
1: Because they can't because they're not married. You know what I mean? Like they're very right. Like the reason to do it is because if you're not married or you're not a couple, you know, like it's, you know, people were a lot more got to wait till I'm married, blah, blah, blah. And then when they play checkers. Remember that scene Mm because he was like very intensely playing it and she could tell he wasn't having fun. So she just knocked the board over (laughs) and every time he looked like he wasn't having fun. She knocked it over. And I that just I loved that about her. She shook up his life. Right. And not in a way that was Pixie Dream Girl type of thing. She was just a, a very positive person that wanted to live life and opened his eyes to the fact that he could.
0: Right, um, and so then Houston is sort of realizing that he's in love with her, so he feels like he has to start, like, moving shit much more quickly mm-hmm. to get, because he feels like once he delivers her to Dallas, that he gets to go, because he lives, like, a two-hour ride from Dallas. Yeah, so he's yeah. like, then I'll just go back, and then they'll be married, and then this will be over I'll for forget me. forget about it, yeah. So they come to a river that is, like, high and going really fast, and they think, They should wait for the river to die down because there had just been a storm or something. Mm -hmm. But he decides he can't. And so they try to cross the river and everything is swept away.
1: Dallas's letters to her.
0: Mm -hmm. She keeps the pocket watch. The hat is gone.
1: Yeah, like a bunch of the dresses except for the green one.
0: Yeah, a ton of clothes. So she finally, they get to the other side and then she sees that Houston is, looks like he's drowning. Like he's having a tough time because he Mm -hmm. was trying to get to the horses or something.
1: Yes, Yeah.
0: And she jumps in after him to try to save him. He pulls her out of the water, and then they're on the banks of the water. Yeah. And he says, what the hell were you doing, you idiot?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: she goes, I was trying to save you. And then he kisses her.
1: Yes, the kiss after, I have that That was. Yeah, that was so great. Yeah, because the thing about this book, not a a lot of sex. No. At all. None until, like, the end. None until the end. But passionate kisses Mm -hmm. which were so were so much better than them boning down at any point right because i kept waiting for it and it didn't happen and i was like okay good i'm glad i'm i'm glad they did not have sex before they were married Mm -hmm. only just because of the family dynamic, you know, with Dallas and, and, and in Houston, like I, that was better that they didn't, but like their, they were so, um, their relationship was like so sensual and sexual that I it was like, it needs to happen at some point.
0: Oh yeah. But it was great. Just like the, the delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Finally, when that kiss happens and she's like, feel so passionately about it, he like halfway through realizes, no, this is truly the worst thing that could possibly have happened. Yeah. They spend a few days on the banks like trying to gather like more at the clothes and like find some things that, that had lost. Um and then she sort of has this conversation with him where she's like, uh, you gave me feelings and now you need to basically give me more feelings. Because yeah. she doesn't really understand her own sexuality or sort of what's happening or why it happened. Yeah. And he tells her, oh, I just wanted a woman because I had feelings it could have been any woman. It didn't have to be you. Yeah. Which is obviously like such a bold lie. That's a
1: lie. Now, d- she says, I love you, though, to him.
0: Oh, does she there? Yeah.
1: yeah. She says, I love you to him, remember?
0: Oh, afterwards, yeah. She whispers it. But
1: he doesn't hear it.
0: She whispers it into his deaf ear. Yes.
1: Which is, which is a trope. Mm -hmm. because there's other books that have that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was great, too. And I was like, well, he's not going to say it back.
0: No, he didn't even acknowledge it. And so she was sort of like, "Okay, I guess he doesn't love me. Yeah. So that's sort of why she felt like she could walk away.
1: Absolutely. And then they spent a little time like he finds these horses that he wants to take with him.
0: Well, what I loved about that, because so much about the story is about like dreams and fulfilling your dreams and being a part of someone's dreams and. You know, and they repeat that a lot. Dallas basically wants to become, like, a very powerful man. He wants to have a city where he lives. He wants Mm -hmm. to be in charge of the city. And Houston wants something very simple. He just wants to, like, sort of train horses. Yes. So then when Amelia sees, when the horses come by and Amelia knows, like, if I wasn't here, you would be trying to capture those horses because that's what he does. He, like, breaks mustangs. Yeah. And he's like, I would, but I'm not going to do it now because you're here. And she's like, no, I want to be a part of your dream too. And they capture the horses together. And it takes like a few days, but they are like working really well as a team together. So it was her just sort of stepping into his world and stepping into his dream and Mm -hmm. wanting him to have everything that he wanted as well.
1: And so then, well, I think it was around this time, she shares what happened to her Mm -hmm. with her having to hide from these soldiers in the coffin of her dead dad. Yeah. Right? And then her sisters got murdered, and her mom got, I think, murdered as well? Or, no, her mom definitely got assaulted. Yeah. I don't think she got murdered, but her sisters got murdered. And she had to hide next to her dead dad, which is horrifying.
0: Yeah, so she can't do the dark, and she can't do confined spaces. That's
1: why she would freak out about certain stuff and— Understandably. Because one of my greatest fears is being buried alive. Really? That is my number one fear. Yes. Absolutely. Do you do you have a fear of that? Or do you never really even think about it?
0: I don't really think about it.
1: Do you have a fear of confined spaces? No. Wow. So if I was like somebody's gonna put you in a coffin and and cover you in dirt.
0: No, I would say no. You'd like I don't totally want that. chill.
1: Just give him, Let me have my. IPod. Why
0: would they be doing that for me?
1: Uh, why would they be doing it to bury me? If you psychological said, torture. If you
0: said somebody's going to bury you alive to kill you, I would say no. Nope, I don't want that to happen.
1: But say for a, you had to do it for a part. Say you were an actress, and they were like, "We're going to bury you in this thing. Everything's fine, but you're going to feel scared because." you know, you're going to be under dirt.
0: But there's w- like a medic on set and th- everything. Yeah. Th-
1: as much as there, there can be on a very, very low budget horror well, movie. No, I don't want to be a low wrote. budget horror
0: movie. I'm going to die. But me
1: and Pat wrote it.
0: I don't care. Okay,
1: But uh, say it's a big budget movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm doing this for like Christopher Nolan or something.
1: Yeah. It's Christopher Nolan's like, we're burying you. you we're burying you alive. Everything's set, but you're going to be down there for six hours.
0: All right. No breaks. How am I going to breathe for six hours?
1: They, they have like a, a they have like a straw or something. OK. Yeah. But would you do would you be like, no, I can't do that?
0: Yeah, I would be ner- nervous about peeing and stuff, but I would do it.
1: So so you're just worried about pee breaks. You're not worried about <laughs> being under the earth in a coffin.
0: I mean, I wouldn't do it for six hours, but if you need to be down there for 45 minutes, I would.
1: Oh, God. So you're going to tell Christopher Nolan, OK, no, 45. That's my max.
0: Well, yeah, because then we start cramping.
1: Oh, see, you're not thinking, okay, so <laughs> obviously that doesn't, what would terrify you?
0: I don't know what I'm scared of. Really? Well, yeah, and especially I think living in New York City, it's like I don't love being in a super tall building. Okay. That makes me nervous. Okay. Um,
1: but you don't have those primal fears. Like, like I feel like being buried alive is a primal, there's something deeper inside me that is primally afraid of it. So if you believe in past lives, maybe that's something that happened to me.
0: I know. That's always scary when they talk about like back in the day when they buried people alive all the time. That's why they had
1: to have a bell.
0: Yeah. Growing up, I was always really afraid my house was going to be on fire. So maybe that's something. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to get out. But I don't feel that way anymore. I'm not nervous about fires.
1: Wow. So you just walk through life like fearless.
0: I mean, I'm sure I'm afraid of something. I'm not thinking of what it is right now. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. I So when she had to be buried next to her father, yeah, not really terrifying. buried, but she was like, you know, had to hide next to him in a confined space, I was freaking out. Yeah. Like right now it makes me anxious.
0: I mean, also the big, the one big elephant in the room with this book is that like she was a southerner during mm-hmm. the Civil War and it sounds like she lived on a plantation yeah, and it was a family's plantation. I normally obviously don't have any sympathy for the South or anything like that, but I do think she was nine years old when it happened. Well, when you look,
1: okay. So it's also, you know, uh, Dallas and, uh, Houston were uh, Confederate soldiers.
0: Yeah. I and, think it's the same thing. Like they were children,
1: but that's the thing is 12 and 15. Like the thing with, um, with, uh, houston is that he was the drummer boy for Mm -hmm. his dad who would just scream like uh directions to the soldiers and the son would be there drumming and what happens this is how he gets his face ripped off is they're going into battle and people start shooting and he goes running The other way, because he's like, I don't want to get killed. I only have a drum.
0: I'm 15. I don't even have a weapon.
1: Exactly. So then the dad follows him and is like, you're a coward, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a big uh, explosion, artillery explosion, and his dad gets killed and uh, it blows up part of his body. And now the interesting thing here is – so Houston and Dallas have an interesting relationship in the fact that they – it's not that they don't get along. They just don't talk. So this whole time – Houston has always thought that Dallas blamed him for the dad dying and Dallas thought Houston didn't like him because he played God in that he found Houston's body in a pile of dead bodies still alive, but like face ripped off all this stuff, takes him to the medic and says, you need to save my brother. The medic says, no, because I have saved other people that have been this like scarred and they always want to kill themselves or kill themselves afterwards. Don't play God, just let him die. And Dallas pulls out a gun and he's like, you're saving my brother. So he saves him. And he's always felt guilt that, you know, when he was with Houston and Houston couldn't look him in the eyes and always was covering his face that Dallas felt like I did that to you. Mm -hmm. I didn't just let you die. So, we figure out at the end when they actually have a conversation about it what this misunderstanding was. And that's like a really powerful moment for them. Where neither of them really like their dad all that much, but they still kind of you know, if you feel like you killed your dad, that's a huge burden to hold on to, especially if it's a cowardly act. But when he tells people so that so you when th- you,
0: th- you view it as a cowardly act, yes. it's not actually a cowardly no, act. No,
1: it's it's a sane act. It's yeah. the sanest act they could do. And even when He tells Amelia, she's like, you had a drum. What were you supposed to do? And the same thing, Dallas is the same way. He's like, well, you're a kid. Yeah, that was very, I mean, that was interesting. I mean, they all have such horrible backstories. But the fact that they were Confederate soldiers, like, yeah, of course, if we're looking at a, you know, it from an historical thing, they're on the wrong side of history. But I mean, in this book, that does not negate their emotions. And it doesn't negate like us wanting them to have some sort of love.
0: Exactly. When I also think, like, I would have a hard time if they were Confederate soldiers in that, like, they were of an age where they understood what was going on. And they were like, we are going to go to war to keep people enslaved. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of sympathy for somebody who does that. Mm -hmm. None. But I think for this, it's like if Amelia was nine, and that was just her family, you don't have a choice in your family. And if they were young boys yeah, following their father who seemed like an asshole and they kind of all agree their father was an asshole and did yeah. the wrong thing, then I'm like, you know, it's not great. I don't love it, but I'm not going to be like, you know, completely discount them.
1: Yeah. This, th- I don't think that this makes this book unreadable in any way.
0: Right. Like were these like, you know, I think it's like no Nazis, no Confederate soldiers, but I think this is like the one that slides under the door.
1: Gosh, there's there's so much What's the more. next
0: on your list i mean i love what sort of you're pulling out so they get the mustangs and then they um arrive at dallas they arrive
1: and so she meets dallas dallas is very handsome yeah he's a looker he, he's a looker he's gorgeous he's and, a big
0: mustache, which normally i don't love but on dallas i love it
1: yeah so they are gonna get married and dallas is like um the the pat the uh
0: minister minister
1: already left so he needs to get the minister to come back because
0: they took so long to get there because of the all this different stuff that happened
1: and dallas wants a kid he number one is his big thing is like i want a son that's his dream that's his dream like he wants to marry amelia and he seems like cool i mean he has a temper but and the way they treat austin is really sad because austin's their little brother and anything he says around amelia They'll grab him and like push him out into the the hallway and yell at him for it. And he's like, what can I say in front? I don't know how to deal with women. I've never met one. There's never
0: women around. Like he, his mother died when he was so young. So Dallas and Houston knew a little bit more about like manners and stuff, but then they raised Austin with basically no manners. And Austin is like, I like Amelia. She's, she really takes on like a big sister motherly role to him pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. But he, yeah. He He does smell her pillow at
1: some point though, which is pretty creepy.
0: Yeah, but also I think it's, like, it's it, it's hard, I'm sure, growing up with, like, no feminine influence, and even though, like, Dallas and Houston definitely, like, love him and take yeah. care of him, they're not overly emotional with him.
1: Yeah, and he's talk probably... talk about their
0: feelings, so I'm, like, I'm sure he's also, like... And he's into women, so I think he's, like, well, this is, like, a new kind of interesting creature.
1: Yeah. he He's probably so used to just smelling, like, burps and farts that yeah. anything is better than that. Yeah. But... She's getting ready to um, have her wedding night with Dallas, so you know the whole thing, and she asks, like they're out on the porch, her and, and Houston.
0: But this is after, so they get ma- so there's like a lot of time where. Amelia's oh, just sort right. of like hanging out on the thing before the minister comes. Dallas is not going to touch her mm-hmm. until they're officially married. She's living in this like weird big castle of a house he has. She and Austin are getting closer together. She basically goes back to Houston and says like, say the word and I'll marry you instead. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I love you and I want to marry you. And he's like, refuses. Yeah, yeah. They have a thing where they play truth or dare, only they call it something else.
1: Oh, I don't remember what it was. But yeah, they yeah. do play Truth or Dare.
0: And basically, like the big scene where they say goodbye for the last time, she dares him to like kiss her. Uh huh. And it was like it's so romantic because she's like, kiss me as though I was never uh, betrothed to another. Yeah. And then so they make out and then they're like, and we're done. So then the ministers come back and they get married in the parlor. And it comes to the point where the minister is like, you know is there anyone you know, speak now or forever every piece and she like looks at houston mm-hmm. to be like well buddy what are you gonna, you gonna yeah. do anything he says nothing and yep. she's like heartbroken because uh-huh. she i think she really up until the last moment she thought some, he would, houston say, would something. say something yeah and she's in love with him but she sort of feels like you know he doesn't love her he's never gonna stand up for her and she she really in that moment like turns her heart away from him because mm-hmm. she's just like listen you're not gonna stand for me or fight for me, like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah.
1: But, then, they have the conversation on the porch, where she asks uh, his advice on having sex for the first time. Which is so painful. mm -hmm. If you're Houston. You know, because she says, "I, you know, I look at you as a close friend.
0: Because she really doesn't have any friends.
1: Yeah, she doesn't. And they bonded so much on this trip that she says, do you have any advice or whatever? And he... He says, like, oh, well, at the whorehouse, they don't make Dallas pay. So you'll be in good shape.
0: <laughs> and they make me pay double. Yeah, they make me pay double.
1: <laughs> but then they do go to the whorehouse. Well, no,
0: and then she says Dallas is going to give you the best of him. And, like, yeah. he'll be happy with you and don't worry. Yeah. I know. I just, uh houston
1: i know but then there is that scene where he takes austin to the to the uh oh yeah austin's
0: pumped as fuck because he's gonna go to a whorehouse for the first time yeah he's like what's gonna happen
1: yep yep (laughs) he's like yeah he's like jumping around and he's like oh is that is that it is that it oh wow wow (laughs) um and 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 houston's just like demoralized
0: he doesn't want to do it and i don't think either of them end up Fucking right. No. So Houston goes to like the woman that he kind of always visited, and she's sort of like, eh, "You're not into it, are you?" And he's like, "I'm not into it."
1: Yeah. She seems like no offense to sex workers, mm-hmm. but like she she was not Amelia. No. He realized what he had settled for for so long, and not even in appearance or anything, just in the transactional nature of mm-hmm. the the sex where. With Amelia, it's so much deeper and, and something different.
0: Yeah, even just kissing her. Yeah. And then he goes downstairs and then Austin meets him downstairs and is like, yeah, it wasn't really how I thought it was going to be. And so then I didn't do I anything I didn't do it either. either, yeah. And then Houston's like, yeah, well, it's going to... And he talks to him and he says like, you know, it's going to be different when it's with a woman that you love. And yeah. he asked, do you love anybody? Yeah. And Houston says, once I did, but she got married. And Austin is like... Bitch, you're talking about Amelia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, like, you only know one woman and I know her too. Then we have the horse thieves. Well, Houston is like, I do love her. So he runs back because he's Mm -hmm. like, now I'm going to try to claim her. And all hell has broken loose.
1: Yeah, because they came and they stole the horses and they stole Amelia. Mm -hmm. And then he does, uh, he shows he's not a coward, or at least in his eyes. He saves Amelia and he stops to make sure that she doesn't get killed. And then he gets shot.
0: Yeah, the horsies have her, he and Dallas have to work together to try to get her back. Uh huh. He goes into the camp, pretends he's just like an evil person because Sm- his face is smooth all... Move, move. Yeah. They steal a horse and he's on a horse with Amelia and they're chasing and shooting at him. So he decides, I'm going to be a distraction. I'll jump off the horse. They'll come kill me and you'll be able to go. Cool action move. And he whispers into her ear, I love I you. I love you. And then he jumps off the horse and she's sort of like...
1: What the fuck, man? Yeah, we were getting away.
0: Yeah, I think this was, everything was good. Yeah. But it was something he definitely needed to prove to himself. mm mm-hmm. um, So they do end up shooting him, but they don't kill him. They don't kill and him. And they collect the body, and then she, Dallas, and Houston go back to Houston's house. She nurses Houston back to health, and then... She walks away because she's still pissed at him. Yeah. Because she was like, that was a fucked up weird thing for you to do to say that you loved me and then try to die. Mm -hmm. And also, I just got married to your brother. I gave you ample opportunity to, you know, not to choose me instead. And you didn't. And now I feel like, you know, because she takes it seriously that now she's married to Dallas. And also, like, she and Dallas get along really well. Yeah. It's not like he's a bad person. Like, I think she can see herself loving Dallas and she can see having a good life with Dallas. And that's
1: the thing about this book I love is that her life would have been fine with Dallas, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't have been passionate. It wouldn't have been a romance novel level, like romance. And that's the difference is like, you can go the safe route if you want to, but it might not be as fulfilling as the harder path with somebody that you truly love.
0: Yeah, and so Amelia has left her big mirror at Houston's house when she moves back in with Dallas and you know Houston is sort of realizing what he's done and and everything I think the thing that was great with Houston is very early on in the novel Amelia is like Houston sexy I'm into him she very quickly does not give a shit about his scars like she never no. really pays attention to it
1: but he uses that very tiny mirror because he doesn't want to see the rest of his yeah face. he
0: doesn't want to see his old when face he shaves. And shaves. yeah but She even says at a certain stage, she's like, you know, for a long time, I would look at his face and I would think, oh, what would his face look like if it was whole? But now I love him and I'd never think of that. I think that's just his face and that's the face of the man I love. Mm -hmm. Houston needs to also come to that himself. Mm -hmm. Like the thing that is keeping Houston from Amelia, it's like, yeah, she's set to marry his brother and all these other things. But at the end of the day, it's like he just doesn't feel like he's worthy of love. Yeah. So then... Um, he looks into the mirror and then he goes up to Dallas's house and talks to Dallas and confesses to Dallas that he's been in love with Amelia the whole time and that if like Dallas will consent for an annulment.
1: Because they haven't bumped uglies. Well,
0: they, he says to him like, I'll wait a whole month to make sure she's not pregnant with your child and then we'll get married. And Dallas is like, "Mm, we've never fucked because you know, horse thieves and things uh, keep happening. Exactly. And he's like, also Dallas is not going to like have sex with a woman who isn't like Into it, and I think Amelia was never particularly into it. Yeah. So Houston finally says, "Like I want you to be a part of my dream."
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because she always wanted to be. Because he said my my dream couldn't fit into the palm of my hand or whatever. Mm -hmm. He has small dreams. Dallas has big dreams, and she's like, "I've always wanted to be part of a dream that fits into the palm of someone's hand."
0: Yeah, which is lovely. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: So, this book. A thousand percent read it, mm. right? I mean, I think this is something if someone asked me, you know, because I do get asked, Oh, you have a romance novel podcast? You read romance novels? I'm like, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If they were, oh, you know, they do the same thing that everybody does, like, Oh, well, they're corny, they're this, they're that. I'd be like, Read Texas Destiny, read Dreaming of You.
0: I think Texas Destiny is a great first romance, right? I
1: think it's a great first romance because the sexuality of it is not overbearing. It's not like filthy. There's a sex at the end, which is erotic, but it's not, you're not talking about throbbing members and stuff like that, which is also cliche. So if somebody reads this, they'll understand the underlying appeal of these kind of books, I think, because it's a romance. There is romance in this and sex is in it, but it's secondary. But, Anytime they kiss, anytime there's touching or anything like that, it's very erotic because of the connection of the characters.
0: Yeah. And it's just a well-written, like the prose is very good. It is just like a joy to read. Yeah. Yeah. But if you just like a well-written book, Mm -hmm. then this is it. Yeah. You got it. And I think it's a great gateway romance.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. This is a great gateway. Of course, most important question, would you fuck them? Yes. A hundred percent, right? Yeah. Both of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Because also the thing is like Houston is not technically a virgin because he's had sex with a sex worker, but he doesn't really know how to have sex with somebody that is a virgin or that he like loves Mm -hmm. because I feel like in those transactions, like the woman, the sex worker has probably taken control. Yes. And so he's just like, I'll just treat her like a a horse Mm
1: -hmm. and it works. Yeah. So... Because he's very gentle with the horses.
0: Yeah, he's great with horses.
1: Um, Yes, both of them 100%, 100%. All
0: right, so we got Goodreads list.
1: It's got to be on every list. Oh, it's
0: on five pages. Of course. I also made this um, while sitting next to and playing with my two-year-old niece. Okay. So let's see how well I did. (laughs) Okay. There might be some repeats. Um, Favorite historical Western romance novels?
1: This is... I think this is my first true Western. It is. But yes, I can't imagine it not staying on that list no matter how many I read.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast.
1: Yes. Technically, yes.
0: Uh, Mail Order Brides and Arranged Marriages. Absolutely. Best Romantic Beta Heroes.
1: Yeah, because he's a beta. Because Dallas is the alpha and he's the beta. Absolutely. You know, this might be the first beta I love. You love Houston. I love Houston. Yeah. I do. I love him. Mm Mm-hmm yeah
0: scars are sexy books with imperfect disfigured disabled heroes
1: yes he has scars
0: uh favorite historical romance novels
1: yeah i mean this is one of your favorite this is one of my favorite romance novels that we've done full stop yeah absolutely so
0: it would be dreaming of you this and then what would the other one be Uh, that's i mean i really like slow heat yeah slow heat yeah yeah there you go um deaf mute speechless
1: um, I mean, he's got the hearing problem.
0: Deaf in one ear. Yeah. Uh, best fiction with disfigured disabled leads. Yeah. Tortured heroes of historical romance.
1: Oh, he's tortured.
0: <laughs> Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Yes. Uh, Tear jerker. Romance novels that jerked the tears right out of you. Yeah. I cried. Yeah. I probably did.
1: I didn't cry, but I got emotional. Definitely. And cried. I was mes- I was emotionally invested.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, best Early American Historical Romance. Yes. King of the Betas. Best Beta Romance Hero Male Female. I would say, yeah. Best Western Civil War Romance.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is talk of the war, definitely. I mean, I do like that. They're all,
0: like, they're two veterans. Yeah,
1: I do like that, obviously, like we said before, doesn't really drill down on um, anything about the war other than the repercussions of it.
0: hmm Yeah. Uh, love on the range romance novels set on ranches. Yes. <laughs> Dusty best historical western romance novels. Yes. Best books involving forbidden love.
1: Yeah, I love I love that dynamic of you know, like you were saying, my my brother's wife or my what? Like there's just because that is it's the familiar bond versus those bonds that you create outside of family. That what's gonna win? I love that concept.
0: Um, road trip, best road trip, romance novels, male, female,
1: great road trip. Love that whole trip because they just, it it shows the strength of her as a writer that everything that happened built towards something. It wasn't just, well, let's just have a, have the, you know, have like a flood or let's just have this happen. It brought the characters together. It showed sides of the characters. It just Deepen that relationship in every step of the way, which is just what you want.
0: 100%. Yeah. There's more.
1: Yes, of A course.
0: Changed man, historical hero who's changed after war in mind, body, or spirit. Yes. Historical romance stepping for brother. I don't understand what stepping for brother means.
1: Now, is this um, something you wrote while you were also holding your niece?
0: <laughs> I cut and pasted it.
1: Okay. But- stepping your brother?
0: Yeah, like stepping in for your brother
1: probably
0: honorable heroes no rakes no cheaters
1: he did i mean technically they weren't married but they were betrothed dallas and amelia oh and so he did make out with her so he did cheat
0: yeah amelia cheated she cheated
1: and and he i mean uh, he didn't cheat but she did but you know yeah so it can't be on that list no favorite romance authors you know only read one but I've heard great things about her, and I love this book. So I would say yes.
0: Um, A big smile after reading. Absolutely. He, she was set to marry someone until dot, dot, dot.
1: Well, they did actually get married, though. Oh, yeah. So take it off the list. Yeah. I know it's technical.
0: Best male character.
1: Yeah. He's up there. I mean, he's up there in the beta. I could never say he's, you know, he's no Derek Craven, obviously.
0: It's hard to. Yeah.
1: There it's apples, oranges. So if we're doing alpha list and beta list, you've got, you know, Derek up there and then you've got uh, Houston next to him in a different list. OK, that's how I think. So I'll I'll have to rank if I if there's any betas I like. They're going to be always, uh, you know, um, compared to Houston. Same way I compare everybody to Derek Craven.
0: Right. Yeah. So now you have like the alpha prototype and And now a beta prototype. This is great. Yeah. This is why we do this podcast. So I can have (laughs)
1: these lists.
0: You love lists. Yes. You love ranking.
1: I do love ranking.
0: Emotionally gripping romance novels. Yes. Historical romance, stealing my siblings betrothed. Yeah. Straight up wife though. They got married. Yes. Bodyguards, protectors, travel escorts. Mm Mm-hmm. Romance books where the heroes are not super possessive, controlling multi-billionaire alpha alpha holes with 50 foot penises and disturbing tendency towards stalkerish behavior. That's true. (laughs) Books I became so so obsessed with, I stopped everything else in my life to finish.
1: I read this book pretty much straight through. I started it one night and then woke up the next day and finished it. Nice. So yes.
0: Uh, What book would you like to live in?
1: This is a good question. Because here's the things I like about I would want to live in this Pokemon: Wide open spaces, quiet, horses. I love wild horses, really into that. I would love the the Houston-type life. Uh, cons, too much dirt and dust. I got to wash. Like, I actually haven't washed my face today, and it's driving me nuts.
0: Yeah, you like, wash your face every day. Yeah,
1: I, I, well, the only reason, because I came from from queen like i i was staying with somebody so Um, i i didn't i was going to but then i didn't get a chance to whatever but it's driving me nuts so i couldn't deal i you know i couldn't deal with the 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 texas dirt and dust and not being able to like bathe every day
0: houston does like give her warm water every day the entire time they're traveling but he doesn't no you're right right
1: so like what do you think would you be able to live in that
0: time no it it seems very difficult
1: okay You, you wouldn't want to live in that kind of atmosphere
0: no, I mean, no, I like like the Wild West and stuff. I do think it'd be fun, but it's like anytime you go back in time as a woman, it's like just awful. It,
1: exactly. There's no I mean, you wouldn't come back to this time. No, like you're going to have to go way into the future for you to be like, oh, yeah, this is a good time. Hopefully, hopefully,
0: um, best historical romances where the quiet unusual girl gets the guy.
1: I don't think she's unusual.
0: Or quiet. Or
1: quiet. So So, take it off the list.
0: Head over heels, heroes who fall first and hard for their romance. Oh. For their heroines.
1: He fell so hard. Uh,
0: immediately. Yes. All right. That's all I mean that's not all of them. There were a lot more, but it was sort of redundant. Yeah. What are your tropes? This is gonna be great.
1: Oh my gosh. Bucking. Buck buck me. (laughs) Buck for me. Buck for me. (laughs) Um Mail Order Bride. Let me shave you. This is a trope that I realized I love. Mm -hmm. So she shaves, Amelia shaves Houston and I love it. I want more shaving. There's something intimate about it. Let me groom you. Um, Also the trusting of somebody with a sharp object near your face and neck is a very intimate act. So there's something very romantic. And I think this goes back to, if you ever saw the movie Phenomenon, where yeah. where uh, John Travolta gets shaved uh, by... Kira Sedgwick. Keira Sedgwick. Very erotic, sexy scene that when I was a kid I watched it and didn't realize why I was so turned on by it because there's no boobs. <laughs> um, but I think I've always had that thing of like, yeah, I want somebody to shave me. That's why I have the big beard. I'm just waiting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, that's how I'll know you have a girlfriend. You'll when, show up freshly shaven. I'll be like...
1: Completely clean shaven. Yeah. Yeah. A raccoon stole my hat. Ugh. Of course. Yeah. Uh Scarred Hero. Uh War Veteran Hero. Cowboy Hero. Brooding Hero. Pining Hero. Western romance. Oh no one bed <laughs> peeping through a tent. Hero Hero saves heroine. And then uh Horse Thieves. Heroine nurses Hero back to health and then vice versa. Yeah. Because we forgot to talk about the snake bite. She gets bit by a snake and he takes care of her. Yeah. Which is great. So like he did that for her. When he gets shot, she does it for him. Great. Perfect. Yes. Symmetry. Um, What were your tropes?
0: I had road trip, falling in love with sibling's partner, disfigured hero, the shadow show. That's what they call it through the tent. Yes, shadow show. Mail order bride, interrupted wedding night because horse thieves. Hero sacrifices life for heroin, heroin nurses here to health, hero thinks he's too ugly to love, PTSD, brothers, sleeping outside together, Texas, historical Western, coveting another's um, spouse, and then Truth or Dare. Because they play Truth or Dare a lot. Yes. And that ends up being something I, in romance novels, like, quite a bit. So, what has you swooning this week? Other than Texas Destiny, it seems like this was a big swoon.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was... I mean, I I love this book so much. My swoon is a book, and it is a book written by Liz Fair, ah. the musician. And it's called Horror Stories, and the thing about this book, it's a memoir, but it's not a memoir that is specifically about her music career. It's almost like it's some of the stories take place beforehand or during her career, and um, their stories that have impacted her things that have happened to her that have been quote unquote horrible or at least really noteworthy. So there's a few um, things where she gets stuck in a blizzard in New York city, or um, she's out in the water and she thinks she's going to drown. And then there's this story that um, about her and her brother climbing a tree that is horrifying. And the thing that I like about this book so much is that, even if you're not really a fan of her music, which if you aren't shame on you but <laughs> the 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 writing is so good, and she's able to uh she her her writing's so evocative and she's so good at putting you right next to her mm-hmm. in these uh positions that you're really invested in in what happens so I was really impressed by it because I read a lot of rock bios, and this isn't a normal rock bio, but i w- i would say that I was surprised in a, in a really positive way. So it's called Horror Stories by Liz Fair. I would say definitely pick it up. It's great. Awesome. Aaron,
0: what are you swooning about this week? So I'm swooning about, so I long, long time ago used to have a podcast called Ghosted Stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a dating podcast. I hosted it with one of my dearest friends, Chelsea White.
1: I forced my way into that podcast three Many, times. Yeah, to- yeah. If
0: you want to know more about Clayton, Find his episodes, oh yeah, we dive in and dive in and dive in mm-hmm. um. But she now hosts uh, a weekly Instagram live talk show. Okay. So something that I love about Chelsea is – so she's a producer for MTV and VH1 and she did Girl Code and all these really cool things. Um, but she's always wanted to host her own show and she just decided to not wait for anyone else to give her permission to do it and she just started fucking doing it herself. Um. So the quality is really good for an Instagram live talk show. Okay. It's called What a Delight with Chelsea White. Um the way you watch it follow at chelsea at the chelsea white um and then every Wednesday she goes live at nine o'clock eastern um it's really fun. she has guests on segments it's it's really great. she's really um lovable, and so I would say that has has been a a swoon for me.
1: Have you been on the
0: show? uh I've been in the audience for her birthday show. I okay. haven't been on the show, I don't think okay no so if you want to email us your raccoon theory you can do it at learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com uh, we're on twitter at learning tropes on instagram at learning the tropes and then we have our facebook group the learning the tropes troop that's how we got the recommendation to do this book was a member of the troop uh, mentioned it and I was like yeah I guess we should do it And now I'm it. so happy we did um Next episode is going to be Better Off Red by Rebecca Weatherspoon. That is our Halloween episode. It's going to be spooky spooky. So yeah. Make sure there's nice an atmospheric freedom when you listen. Absolutely. Um, and then finally, learning the tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Um, you can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media backslash podcast. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye.